Welcome to the Deeper Eye podcast. I am Laura Ferris, your host. For many years, I have been passionate about self-improvement. Through this, I have met the best specialists in their field who have given me tools and the courage to pursue a new path. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you everything I have learned through the conversation I have had with these amazing people. I hope these conversations will impact your life as they did to mine. Today, I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Carrie Gonya and Mark Edgar Stevens. Carrie Gonya is an amazing healer. I have been working with Carrie for over two years. She has been doing family constellation therapy for me, and it has helped me enormously. Carrie is also a gifted spiritual intuitive, a Reiki master, and a shamanic practitioner. We will be joined as well by Mark Edgar Stevens that I met also through Carrie, actually. I have done a lot of work with Mark. He has taught me to do self-hypnosis, to deal with addiction, with anxiety, with repetitive behavior that is absolutely not serving me. And it worked wonders. Mark is a corporate coach and a consultant. He is a personal and professional development specialist and communication expert who has been recognized as the top 30 body language professionals in the world from 2016 to 2023. I am so grateful for both of them to come on the podcast today to talk about a very big, big subject that is, I have to say, lightly used. The term is very lightly used. Everybody talks about narcissism, but I don't feel that people know the importance and the severity of this term when it is described that somebody is narcissist. It's a big word and it's not often recognized as its real value. So Mark and Carrie are going to help us discover what is a narcissist and how do you become one and how you can get rid of one, if I may say, if you are a victim of living or being around a narcissist. I hope you will enjoy this conversation. Hello, Mark and Carrie, and thank you so much for joining me today. It's such an exciting moment for me to be speaking with both of you at the same time. I love my sessions with you individually, but the two of you together is really amazing. So thank you for being here. And today we decided to talk about narcissism. I know it's a big word nowadays. We're hearing it a lot everywhere on social media. Every single person who tries to do a self-improvement journey or self-work seems to be knowing or talking about somebody who has narcissism. But it's also, in my opinion, became a word that is very lightly used So I would like to have both your opinion on what is really a narcissist and are you born like that or you become one? 
Carrie, if you are good with it, I will go ahead and jump in. Yes. Perfect. Are you good with that? Yes. Okay. So Carrie and I may have the same take on it. We may have variations on the take. We may have two different sides to it because again, you're getting different opinions on this. Lara, thanks for having us on this podcast. And here's my take on narcissism. At the root, when we are born as children, we are naturally in a narcissistic mindset, not a narcissistic mindset that necessarily comes from thinking me over everyone else, but simply because we do not have the ability to think of others over ourselves. When we are born, we have the need to be fed. We had the need to be warm. We had the need for nurturing. We have all of these needs and the world is so much about us. It isn't until later in our development as children that we start to become aware that others also have needs. It's where we begin to learn to share with others. If we have brothers and sisters, we learn that there's things that they need. We often do not think about our parents' needs. So the first part of the question is, we do have what we would call some narcissistic tendencies that are just simply built in from the time we're little. You know, when we're little, all the focus is on us and we can do no wrong and everyone thinks we're cute and everything that we do is cute and everything is wonderful. And at a certain point, we're not so cute and then people are wanting yeah. us to do things differently. And the question becomes, am I still going to stay in a place where I demand that it be my way, which leads to greater sense of narcissism, especially if it is allowed or encouraged by the authority figures, the parents or others that say, oh, this is my kid. I want to give my kid everything. We can foster a sense of narcissism in our children. And if that's not broken somewhere in the evolution cycle of a child, that narcissism can grow to the point that the kid becomes what we call a classic narcissist. Now, I just want to make a slight difference in narcissistic tendencies, which we all have to some degree. We think about ourselves. We think about how we affect something in a positive or even a negative way. We can also be narcissistic and thinking, oh, every time I do this, I make it worse for people. And in a way, we're still drawing attention to ourselves. That are, yeah. Those are narcissistic tendencies or ways of looking at narcissism. But a true narcissist is someone who really does not have the ability to think about what's best for others over themselves. It's always what they want what their needs are, what's going to serve them best. And they don't really have the ability to think farther outside of that. The question that you're asking here is, is it biological or are we nurtured into that? And I'm going to throw one more thing into this, Lara, and then I want to turn it over to Carrie. There's one more thing to turn into this, which is when we take a look at what happened before the soul, came into being? What was the previous experience before the soul came in? What was the soul coming in to learn or to do or experience? And in some cases, that soul came in to be extremely narcissistic because they needed to learn what that experience is. And we sometimes come in and we partner with a narcissist or we have a parent who's a narcissist so that we can learn from that parent or from that partner. Ultimately, my experience is that children or partners of narcissists, true narcissists, tend to go one of two ways. Either they are become narcissists themselves in order to pull the attention back to them, or 
they tend to be people who are always looking for other narcissists and they're repeating a pattern, always giving themselves up to others, always giving to others more than themselves, always being on the losing end of the stick because Mm. that's what their conditioning is. My experience with people is they usually go one way or they go the other. Carrie, I'm turning it over to you. I love that you brought up the soul contracts because I think about that so much of like, we're all here, right? In these human bodies and we have these contracts that are playing out and some of us might have signed up to be, you know, the child of a narcissist or the partner of a narcissist to learn those lessons. You guys know me. I always am looking for patterns and generational programs and you know, it can narcissism. I, I, I love Laura that you asked the question of like, why are we seeing on social this Mm -hmm. uptick of everyone being called a narcissism? Because there's this, there's a spectrum, there's a continuum of being a narcissist, but true narcissistic personality disorder, it's a very small part of the population. So we Mm -hmm. can adopt some of those patterns or programs from a dysregulated mother, or if, you know, your mother suffered great childhood trauma and her mother was a narcissist, we can unconsciously continue those patterns and pass on some of those traits to our children. So mm-hmm. I always tell people too, and Mark, I'm curious, I mean, I feel like you already kind of answered it, but I find this a lot with b- borderline personality disorder. People will ask me about kind of the genetics of it or like the family system, ancestral aspect of it. And I just we're born so pure, right? Like we're born so innocent. And so a lot of this, I think comes from trauma. A lot of it, I think comes from family systems and behaviors within those environments. I don't, I don't, I don't think we're born into it, honestly. Carrie, I have just something to ask here because I am familiar with your work and I find it extremely efficient to be saved from a pattern that was continuously happening until you brought to the surface in the sessions I've had with you with the family constellation, you brought light to what was happening repetitively and unconsciously. Mm-hmm. When this light comes to the problem, automatically you become more the observer of what's happening in your life. And I think this is when you have a choice of responding differently to experiences in your life. Does that work? Do you think, Mark or Carrie, does that work the same if you are, let's say, the son or the daughter of a narcissist and or you are the the, the partner of a narcissist and you are completely aware of what's going on. Could it be that you can save yourself just by putting light into this? Or could it make it even worse? Not for the narcissist itself. I'm just talking for the person. Because to be honest with you, the purpose of this conversation now is to try and help people who are victim of a narcissist, because it's really difficult, I think, to try and help narcissists themselves, because they have to first be aware they are, and they have to take the decision to do something about it. But I'm really keen on trying to help people who live with one or have been raised by one. 
and to try also to avoid children to become one if they have a parent like this, if they're not yet. So is it enough to be aware of living with somebody that is a narcissist? Lara, I will speak to this. And then again, Carrie, you know, jump in wherever. Um, the, the very first key is the word that you're using, which is the awareness of it. Once we have awareness around something or we become the observer of something, then we can make some sort of conscious choice that's different mm-hmm. from the old pattern or different from the old conditioning. Until we have awareness around that, it's very hard to make a new decision because The subconscious mind will always want to keep us in what we know, Mm -hmm. and it will keep us being attracted to the old patterns we have, because whether something is good for us or not good for us, we have the tendency to repeat those patterns because it is familiar. It is what we know. And in some cases, it's what we associate even with love. Even if we were hurt or abused or we were with someone who had a personality pattern that was not good for us, if we grew up with it or if we saw it between our parents the way that our parents thought or the way that our parents interacted with one another, we have a subconscious tendency, even a need, desire, drive to repeat that pattern because it's what we know. It's what we grew up in. It is what is familiar. Once you have the awareness and you can observe what's going on, you can then, one, step out of trying to fix the narcissist, which you will never do. Good luck with that. You know, yeah. Good luck with anyone that can do that. And I think Carrie will agree with that. You're not going to fix a narcissist. You're not going to change it because for them, there is no problem. The problem is that everyone's not doing exactly what they want them to do, which is if the person would do what they wanted them to do, there would be no problem. So, so first you realize that, which allows you then to step away from, oh, there's something I'm going to do to fix this person, to help this situation, to make it better. You stop trying to do that. Instead, you can start to observe or see or analyze how is this person reacting, behaving, how are they showing up? And then with that, you can make a new choice for yourself about what you want to do. And ultimately for me, this is the way that I see it with a narcissist. If we look at it and say, can I free myself from being in relationship with this narcissist or free myself from repeating these conditioned narcissistic relationships? What it boils down to is this, If you keep playing the game with the narcissist, Mm -hmm. then you can stay in the game in the relationship with the narcissist. But if you change the game and you no longer want to play by the rules that the narcissist has set up, the narcissist will not want to play with you and you will not want to play with the narcissist. And then you get to move on to something that is a different relationship with someone who is not a narcissist. But ultimately, it's up to you to decide, do you want to stay in the game and getting the same result over and over again? Or do you want to step out of the game, change the rules? Carrie? The thing that I love about family constellation therapy, the whole premise of that work is to bring the unconscious into the conscious, right? So we don't have a lot of that awareness as little kids. If you're being raised by a narcissist, all you know is that wound, right? So I work with a lot of adults who are just now piecing together oh, I had a narcissistic parent and then I, you know, dated this man or this woman who was also a narcissist. But to Mark's point, once you're awake, you can't go back to sleep. So then I encourage them to, you know, if they don't want to be in partnership with this person to find tools to heal the root of it so that you don't enter into those repetitive cycles of 
unconsciously seeking out the narcissist because one I, I've had some clients that have gotten stuck in that loop and it's really hard to pull yourself out of it. It can be really damaging. So even when the light is on and you see it clearly, it could be very difficult, you're saying, to get out of this loop. Yeah, I mean, I see it more if they were raised by like true narcissist parents, because again, to Mark's point, that's how they identify love. Like that was their environment for 18 plus years. So then they seek that out in a partner because it feels very familiar. But once once that awareness comes in, you have a choice point, you know, to continue down that path or to actually set boundaries, speak up for yourself, you know, in some cases, go no contact if it's more extreme narcissism. I, I have a question. Have you ever come across somebody who has been raised by a narcissistic person and very aware of it, but not being able to realize that he or she are a narcissistic themselves and repeating this pattern, but totally being aware that they have been raised by by one. Can this happen? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because how, I mean, it's a mystery to me because how can you see somebody's, I'm going to call them shadow because I'm not finding any words, and repeat them and not seeing the shadows in you. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. So, so Lara, it's such a great question. So I, I work with this all the time, all the time. Someone who's speaking about a parent or speaking about someone they loved or someone that, that raised them. And very much like what Carrie is saying, if you were raised in this, it's what's so familiar to you that it becomes normalized. And so then as you get older and you start having awareness, then you start looking at the parent or the, the guardian that raised you, whoever the narcissistic personality was, and you say, oh, this is how they showed up for me. They did this and they did that. And they did this and they did that. What I find, what I have found with many of the people with whom I work is they will have their own narcissistic tendencies, but they'll be in a different area. And so, so they can basically mm, look at the parent oh and say, God, I'm not doing any of the things that the parent did, but then they're doing all these other things and they can't see it because they're not doing what their parents did, what their parent did, parent or parents. They're doing it differently, but it's still narcissism. And it's the narcissism itself that they've not identified because it's different behaviors or done in a different way. And I see this quite often. The person does not realize they're different from the parent, but they're still in these narcissistic behaviors, these narcissistic tendencies. And so a lot of times it's about shining the light on that. And I will say, okay, so let's take a look at this thing that you're doing. Now, would you call that narcissism or not? And they go, no, that's just me getting what I want. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I ask them to think about the parent. What do you think your parent was doing? Well, my parent was, you know, they were setting me up for failure. They were sabotaging me. They were whatever the story may be around that. Mm -hmm. It's for them to see that they also have a story that is very similar to the parent, even if the behaviors or the particulars of the story are different from the parent. Yeah, wow. For me, what you've just said, Mark, has really lit a bulb in my head. It's just that, uh, you know, Carrie, when in constellation therapy, if you have a person like that who is very aware of being a victim of narcissism and not being aware 
of themselves being or turning into a narcissist. Do you think it's easier with constellation therapy to to bring that to their attention and make them want to do something about it? I do because sometimes they're unconsciously again because narcissism there's a continuum there's a spectrum you know and maybe they're kind of falling in the the middle of that spectrum and they like mark said are probably not fully aware of those traits within themselves because they are not acting as their parent did so i think Mm -hmm. bringing that into awareness is really key i also think it would be interesting to ask like okay you're not doing xyz like your mom or your dad did but you're, you have some of these traits, like what are you getting from that? Because I see this a lot with clients who have, you know, parents who were severe narcissists and they're still engaging in that behavior because they have yeah. healed the little kid. So it's like the little kid still wants to be the good girl or the good boy. And so they're unconsciously kind of following those patterns. So I think Anytime you can highlight and bring that awareness to the surface, I think it's really powerful because it will empower them to do things a different way. Yeah, yeah. Part of healing is also being willing to take different choices and to respond differently to whatever you realize is not really serving you in your uh, behavior. Did you agree with that, Mark? I I do agree with that. And there was something that Carrie just said that I, I just feel so compelled to, to weigh in on because of the intention that you have with this Lara, which is people who find themselves victims of narcissists. Carrie said that sometimes we have a positioning of wanting to still be the good girl or the good boy. And sometimes when we repeat those patterns with even if it's a different person, even if it's a string of relationships that we have with people and we keep going, oh my gosh, this is happening to me again. It's happening to me again. You know, this person is doing this thing. We get the chance to position ourselves as the good one and they're the bad one. Mm -hmm. And so we sometimes will do that unconsciously, position ourselves as the good guy because this person is doing all of these bad things or these bad behaviors to me. And so we get something from it as the victim of the narcissist or the victim of being in that relationship because we get to be the good guy. They're the ones doing all the bad things and I'm the one trying to do all of the good things. And we will repeat that pattern because we learn that that's the good guy and the bad guys are the ones that are you know, being oppressive toward us. And so we repeat that pattern over and over again. And it's very interesting. That's that I'm even having a light bulb moment here where I said in the work that I do, I sometimes see that the children of narcissists either are narcissists themselves or they go the complete opposite direction and they become the, the, you know, the welcome mat or the punching Mm -hmm. bag. And part of that is there is a, a need or a desire to still keep being the good person that's trying to overcome this oppressive thing that's happening to them. We have to give up, again, Carrie said it so well, we have to give up the game. And the game is, you know, am I still going to be that person in order to get the accolade of being, oh, look at the suffering that person's going through. Give up mm-hmm. the suffering. Give up the suffering and step out of it. And 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 I, I, again, easier said than done. But if you start with awareness, which we all keep saying over and over again, and yeah. you can observe it and you can make the conscious choice, 
you can step out of it. And it's very interesting. And I'll be, I'm interested to know this from you, Carrie. Um, you will see people step out of it and then you get offered the opportunity again. Then yeah. another person comes along. And in the beginning, you don't see that they're a narcissist. And then you start getting into it. And then before you know it, the person's in a relationship. However, if they're doing any of the kind of work that Carrie does or that I do or Lara that you've been doing, you know, when, when we, or any of us as humans, mm -hmm. when we start doing that work, we start to catch it sooner and sooner in the yeah. relationship. And then we decide not to go any farther down that road. And that's the key part of it. It's not that we're not going to meet narcissists. It's simply that we're going to make the conscious choice that we're not going to go down that road with that person. We've already done it once, twice, maybe three times, and we don't need to do it again. Am I right to say here that um, when you start doing this work and you bring total awareness of recognizing the pattern of you living or being a victim of a narcissistic behavior, automatically the narcissistic person herself drift away from you because you're not getting the same response to their behavior as they are used to and want to have. Does it make sense what I'm asking? Like the narcissist himself will or herself will drift away if you if you start showing that you're aware of their behavior. It makes perfect sense. And Carrie, I'm going to turn it over to you with this, but I'm just simply going to say, you know, one one more thing about this. The narcissist needs to be in the game. And I call it a game because it's it's communication and communication strategies, but they need to be in the game where they're getting what they want, which is either positive attention, negative attention, money, mm. power, influence, mm. whatever the thing may be. And if you're not going to play the game in the way that suits them, and there are some narcissists, they're okay with any kind of attention, positive or negative. Yeah. And if you just stop paying attention to them, they will go away. So Lara, my very strong take on this is that yes, a narcissist will not stick around if you're not playing the game that they want to play. And the game mm. is either attention or power or money or, or whatever their game mm -hmm. is. And if you're not mm -hmm. going to play it and that's part of it, figure out what is the game, what is it that they're wanting? And then you don't give it to them. You cannot stay in relationship with them because they're not going to want to stay in relationship with you. And Truly, you're not going to want to stay in relationship with them. Carrie, do you find the same thing? Have you ever found, Mark, that in rare cases, they double down? Like, have you ever seen that? I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen it with divorce. I have a couple clients that have gone through really, like, powerful, a lot of money at stake, a lot, lot of emotion at stake, and the narcissist has completely doubled down. Sorry, yes. Carrie, what is double down? What's I'd never heard this explained. Like they haven't gone away. Like the, the client did the boundaries, did the no contact, did the speak only through attorneys, and it almost fueled the narcissistic partner more. And they really, really came after, you know, the quote unquote victim. Oh, so they become furious, basically. They become yes. furious and they And, and the reason more. this happens, Lara, yeah. is the longer, and Carrie is right, and by the way, I've seen this also with couples going through divorce. Um, what happens is this other person has been playing, and the longer they've been playing the game, the more you will see, as Carrie says, double down, or they will redouble their efforts 
to be even more of a narcissist to regain the control. Mm -hmm. And basically what they're trying to do is reinforce the old rules. Hey, for five years, we did it this way and now you're changing it. So I'm going to be even stronger about this so I can get what I want. If it's 10 years, it's even more 15, even more 20 years, even more. So yes, Carrie is absolutely right. A narcissist, if you start changing the rules, they will do whatever they can to get you to come back and play it the way they were playing it before, which is they're the ones in the charge. They're the ones getting what they want and you need to fall in line and they will do whatever it takes to try to get you to do that until it becomes very, very, very obvious that you're not going to play that game or in many cases, they find someone else willing to play that game with them. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you need a lot of courage and it's easier if you can get out of such a interaction and relationship without having to be attached either emotionally or financially or it, it could be easier for a person to cut the cord and just run for their lives, basically, because uh, a narcissist, what you're saying is could become more aggressive to a victim when the victim is aware of what's going on and if it's putting clearer boundaries. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and basically, that's what it is that the more reliant yeah. one person is on the narcissist, the harder yeah. it is to divest from them, because there are a lot of things that have to do with survival instinct, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. home, life, money, whatever it may be. And that does become harder to divest. And unfortunately, the narcissist will often use those those tethers, those things that tie them together to their advantage to still re- have that control. Without those things that tether them together, it is easier or it is there are greater opportunities to separate from that because a narcissist will use whatever is at their disposal in order to keep the game moving the way that it's been moving for however long, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. I have two more little questions. One is when you start off your life, if let's say you're not a child, you're not the child of a narcissist, you just chose you know, to live a relationship with the narcissist without knowing. You can live your whole life without noticing it, you know, if you don't do the, the work? Like, is there is there any other way to discover you are a victim of a narcissist beside this self-help work? Or is it just that, in your opinion, that brings the light to it and can save you and make you want to get out of this relationship? Carrie, you start this off and then I'll add in. I mean, that's a great question. And Laura and I were kind of talking about that this morning of if you enter into a partnership unknowingly with a narcissist, that energy is familiar to you, whether it's subconsciously familiar, if it's cellular. So they, in my experience, just from what I've seen over working with so many people is like they would have to have walked in that energy or walked in that trauma at some point in their life. I haven't seen, you know, someone with a secure attachment grow up to enter into, I just haven't seen it enter into partnership with like a true narcissist. Again, I think differentiating, you know, narcissistic personality disorder versus just someone having narcissistic traits. Mm -hmm. But if somebody has true, true, true 
narcissistic personality disorder. I just haven't seen it align with somebody that had a secure attachment. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the last question I'd like to ask you is there is another term that is very often associated with narcissism and it's gaslighting. Uh, is it is every narcissist trait to gaslight people? And can you say what gaslighting is in your own words, please? Okay. So <laughs> gaslighting, uh, it's, a, it's a film. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a wonderful film where you make the other person think that they're crazy. You basically make the other person think that they're imagining things, that they are at fault, that they are wrong. And yes, that is absolutely a key true narcissist that is a key tactic a, a key strategy part of that is because the narcissist doesn't believe, believe themselves to be wrong about anything they don't believe themselves to be wrong or on the bad side of anything they're simply getting what they want and what they believe to be true they don't have enough awareness outside of themselves to be it, it's it's different from someone who is just manipulative someone who is uh, strategizing how to get what they want or, you know, manipulating mm -hmm. a narcissist, like a true narcissist is really, you know, they're never wrong. Um, they're mm -hmm. right about everything. They're the best at everything. They know how to do everything better than anyone else. They can handle everything better than anyone else. And everyone else is just, just not quite as good as they are. So what they do, and again, out of, out of just, who they are because that's who they are and like carrie was saying it doesn't if it's a true narcissist or a grandiose narcissist they are not going to step out of what it is that they've always been doing and if they believe something different from what you believe or if they would do something different from the way that you do it or if you're doing something that proves them to be wrong they no matter what they will not accept it they will go to the greatest lengths possible to prove themselves right they will say that they are right over and over again even if every fact points to something different a grandiose narcissist a true narcissist is always going to make themselves right and make you wrong and if you have not done any of this work you may start to believe that you really are the crazy one. You really are wrong. You really are not as good. And so then you take a hit not only to value, which is external, but worth, which is internal. So then your worth starts to take a hit and your confidence starts to go down because you really believe that you're not as good as they are, which is a key part of that relationship strategy is if one person is great and I can't do without that person because they keep me safe, they keep me this, they keep me that, they know all of these things and you don't know anything and you're small and you're little, you mm -hmm. don't step outside of that narcissistic relationship because everything, including your safety, is all wrapped up in that narcissist. And so that's the true sense of gaslighting. I, I know this person is not so nice to me, but they keep me safe. So I stay in what it is that I know. I mean, it's biological, right, Mark? Like as little kids, we're reliant on these big people to keep mm -hmm. us alive. And so if you know, the mirror, the mother, the father is gaslighting the child. And if you're growing up in that narcissistic environment, the kid doesn't look at the parent of like, oh, you're a narcissist, you're whatever. The kid will turn to themselves and be like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not X, Y, Z. Gaslighting, I think, is so obviously damaging in early 
childhood development because I work with so many adults who were just gaslit over and over as kids, and they absolutely do not trust themselves. They do not trust themselves to make decisions or they feel like they don't have any, you know, personal agency. And it is really crazy making. And it's, I feel like gaslighting, I'm glad there's been kind of a spotlight on it for in the last few years, because I feel like it's one of the the more insidious energies, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and with that, Carrie said something so good there, Lara. And Carrie, I, I, gosh, so this is so interesting. I just had this conversation with someone yesterday whose instinct is so good. Intuition is so good, but she doubts everything. And it's because she grew up with a narcissistic parent who made her doubt everything. Her decisions, her thoughts, her opinions were not worth anything. It was all his, his opinions, his thoughts. And she's so tapped in and she'll say something and I go, yeah, that's exactly it. She goes, are you sure? And then we'll follow up to go, are you sure? Because she was gaslit. Like as a child, she doesn't trust herself and her instinct and intuition are actually so good. She's very smart. She's very caring. She's very thoughtful. But that gaslighting that she got as a child makes her doubt every decision and every thought that she has. She's getting stronger and she's getting better, but it is such a hard thing to watch someone like have to go through years of finding their own confidence to believe in themselves because they were gaslit as a child by that parent. So that, that was a huge, huge thing you said there, Carrie. And so many of these, I call them programs, generational programs. Like, again, if you're kind of 40 and up our generation, we, we didn't know, right? Like nobody was talking about trauma. Nobody was talking about narcissists. Like we didn't actually know that we were probably growing up in homes where we were being gaslit or not seen or not heard. So I think there's a great part of the population that is doing that work now. And everybody's kind of connecting the dots of like, okay, why do I have to ask 15 people if I want to move my job, I already know the answer is yes, but why do I have to go outside of myself and ask Mark or Carrie or Laura, you know? So I, I just, it's so powerful that people are waking up to this energy. You know, there's something that comes to, to me just very, very briefly and quickly. Some people could be really paranoid in their life. I mean, I met a lot of people around me, you know, I come from a very, a diverse like background. I have lots of people, friends, member of the family that lived uh, the, the war in Lebanon and can become quite paranoid about uh, how people feel about them or what people think of them. There, you know, we all lived some kind of racism at some part of our life, etc. So when some people say things, you know, about what they feel the world is, like you feel they're in total victimhood. You can't stop yourself from trying to make them aware that they could be exaggerating and maybe take things too personally and being a bit paranoid about it. And I've very often been told that I could be gaslighting them. Can you just try to explain to me the, the how do you notice the difference between denying somebody's reality and really trying to help them by making them see that they could have a little bit of paranoia. And if it's out of subject and too long to reply, you we can do that another time. But I'd love your input, at least one of you. I will try to keep this very short. So there, there's a rule that I have for myself uh, in the work that I do. 
if someone asks for my opinion or my input to be able to help them, I will give it gladly. However, what I've learned, especially with friends and family, is not to offer up my opinion or my thoughts on, on something unless I'm asked for it. Because what I have found is even if someone has a paranoia around something or if they have an unrealistic or if they have a thought on something or a belief on something mm-hmm. that is that you know they're they're holding on to so tightly, it's not necessarily my job to take that away from them. And if I if I say something that's opposite of that, it may not be heard in the way that it was intended. And it may make them even as Carrie said, the word double down, it will make them Mm -hmm. redouble their efforts to prove that that thing is right because it's something that they're really holding on to. So in some cases, I allow a dreamer or a paranoid person to have whatever thoughts and beliefs they want unless they ask me for my opinion, my thoughts, or my feedback on it. And if they ask me, then usually what I do is I ask a lot of questions about that thing so Mm -hmm. that they can come to their own conclusion about why something could possibly work or be true or why it might possibly not be true or not work. That's my tactic on it. Wow, that's great. Very hard to do, but that's really great. I think it takes a lot of training. Uh, I I honestly can't thank you enough because I really got a lot of insight about this, as I said at the beginning, lightly used term, like you hear constantly people saying that other people are narcissistic, when sometimes you just look at them and think, oh my God, I don't think they know the definition of it because they're describing themselves. And um, I hope this will be helpful to many people either to make them aware of what they are or if they live in that state of being a victim of a narcissistic person around them to be able to take a decision or take, uh, you know, action uh, towards that. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate your time. And I enjoy very much talking to you. Thank you. Lara, you ask really great questions. And Carrie, for the rest of my life, I will always enjoy hearing anything you have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, by the way, to both of you. I feel the same about you guys. Yeah, I always tell Lara she asks the best questions. (laughs) Thank you. You know, I just, I I spend so much time asking myself questions that I write them down. So when I have my very lucky sessions with you. I ask them all the time. Thank you both and see you very, very soon. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It was eye-opening for me to just hear Mark and Carrie's view on narcissism. Such a difficult and complicated subject and concept to understand I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you found it extremely useful as much as I did. Please do share it with people that you may think can benefit from this conversation. The more you share it, the more people we will reach and the more people we may help. Thanks to these amazing therapists that I am very lucky to meet. Have a great, great day or evening and I look forward to my next conversation.